What could we learn from the game of basketball? Today, I'm joined by Michael Deutsch, founder of Hands on Hoops, a basketball program based in New York City. Besides being a coach, Michael is a father, an entrepreneur, and an active community leader. We talk about his path and inspiration for creating a basketball program for kids, the transferable skills that young children and families take away from it, and how he shows up as a leader and role model, not only for his daughters, but for so many in our community. This is Early Care for Every Kid, a podcast for people who want to make learning, living, and loving more harmonious for everyone. I'm your host, Danielle Ahn. Each week, I interview fellow parents, educators, advocates, and community leaders who care for and work with young children and families. I share their experiences, insights, and specific actionable tips on how you could help make the world work better for everyone. Here's my conversation with Coach Mike. Today, I have Coach Mike, Michael Deutsch, founder of Hands on Hoops, based in New York City. I am so glad to be talking to you today, Coach, because you really do embody what a true coach and role model would look like, and you teach what's really important in instilling in all our kids. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Danielle. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yes. Really nice to be here. Yes. I'm so excited. I just want to share that I first came across you through our local New York City Facebook parenting group review. One of the moms who would normally not leave any reviews had raving reviews about you and how you were engaging with the children and how you came and made it so easy. So Hands on Hoops is for children between the ages of two to six. Is that correct? Well, actually, the program is for kids between ages 2 through 17. Okay. Please tell me about Hands on Hoops. Sure. Uh, Hands on Hoops is uh, a kids program. It's a basketball and transferable skills program where kids learn to share the basketball, be a great teammate, build a positive attitude, listen to instructions and apply them, learn through having fun. And also learn core basketball skills on an adjustable basket. Mm -hmm. So we have all kinds of classes throughout New York City and also virtual classes throughout the world. We just did a virtual class in Israel. And is that because of COVID times? Well, I would say it's because every parent has Zoom on their uh, laptop Mm -hmm. and Zoom has made it so easy, but I would say COVID has been a spark uh, for parents to find something for their kids to do while at home. Right. And I find that's consistent in how you show up in our community. You find ways to offer support, not just to obviously teaching children basketball skills, but also to the parents When my younger child, when he was a three-year-old in, I think, 2018, I just recently saw some pictures (laughs) that popped up on my phone. He was an itty-bitty, and he was not the best at waiting for his turn in line and always very eager and physical. I noticed that you were crouching down for his eye level, patiently guiding him to take turns and instill a team spirit. 
Yeah, it is about that. It's about transitioning. A toddler age, mm -hmm. think about it. A kid has been getting all the attention. A child's been getting all the attention. So now they're in a class with a group of kids. They're studying every other kid. Their insecurities come out. But when you throw the team concept mm -hmm. at the kids and start to express, hey, what is a team, everyone? Oh, oh. A team means we work together, we help each other, and we share the basketball. Mm -hmm. So now it's that good feeling of being this team and not having all the focus on myself. I'm now going to focus on every other child in the class. Mm -hmm. And it takes a child out of their head. Right. And the insecurity goes away. Because a team is stronger than an individual. Mm. So these are part of what you call transferable skills. That's right. Yeah. And what were you seeing in your personal or, I guess, professional life that led you to believe in the importance of these transferable skills from basketball to real life? Sure. In my personal life, I was doing this with my dad. Uh, my dad had me uh, playing basketball when I was about three years old. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we didn't have a basket that was lower oh. and more kid-friendly. Right. It was a regular basket. Mm. So my dad, he actually had me learning a basketball skills, mm -hmm. pure basketball skills, which I apply to uh, classes as well. Mm -hmm. But as I got older, I started to read more books. I started to read books about John Wooden, the greatest basketball coach ever. Mm -hmm. His team, UCLA, the UCLA Bruins college basketball team, they won 10 championships, mm -hmm. seven in a row. So he was talking about the importance of a team and how working together is critical. Giving your best, trying your hardest. Those are two of the most important things that a kid could learn, giving it your best, trying your hardest. So I tried to take what Coach Wooden was talking about and bring it to real life with kids. And I realized I was also the captain of my team in high school. I just realized that it was about we. It wasn't about me. Mm -hmm. And that's what made our team successful. So the books, the, the teams that I played on, that all had a role in imparting the knowledge to, to the kids currently. Mm -hmm. So you were in athletics through high school. And yes, did you also play in college or? No, I didn't play college ball, but I played uh, soccer, mm -hmm. basketball, and baseball. Mm throughout my early years to high school years, being on all those teams had a tremendous impact on my life. And how would you say being on those team sports helped you in your personal life specifically? Well, that, that's interesting because it really did help me in my personal life because I just realized 
And a lot of people compare themselves to others. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've always taken a mindset of we, how can we do it together? Mm-hmm. So instead of being a quote unquote seller, <laughs> where everything's about I, 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 mm-hmm. it's about we. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I've always lived my life. Mm-hmm. It's now, I've never been the one to sit there and dominate a room about I am this, I am that. No, it's about we. What can we do that's bigger than us? Mm-hmm. You know, How can we help the homeless people? I started a, a program called Homeless Helpers. Yes. So that's another thing. I also am active in our local community, even online. And besides sharing information about your basketball hands-on hoops program, you are always seeking ways to connect people and provide ways for people who might be interested in helping other community members by offering chances to donate or even coordinate donation pickup or drop-off. Yeah, yeah. How did you come to be interested in people experiencing homelessness? So I was at a, what was it, a Super Bowl party a couple of years back. And I started speaking with a guy and he was telling me about a coalition for the homeless, how he goes out Tuesday nights in a van that coalition for the homeless supplies to him. They also supply the food. So he goes out and he feeds people who are experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. So it's every Tuesday night, 50 times a year. Mm -hmm. And he also goes to to shelters. Mm -hmm. And listen, I have a pulse. (laughs) I get it. Yes. There was and is a serious problem in New York City. Yes. So hearing him speak... I was thinking to myself, wait a second, I've built up this brand with parents through my social media and through basketball and kids. So I was thinking, wait a second, we we could work together. He and I could work together. I could supply him with all the clothes Mm -hmm. and he could give clothes and feed the homeless. Yes. And it was as simple as that. Mm -hmm. And it got me so excited and jacked up. Mm -hmm. I had to jump in the water head first. Mm And, and that was it. Bang, let's go. It seems to me that one of the consistent threads is team spirit, understanding it's not all about your strengths or your personal individual victories, but also just understanding that it's a team effort. Right. The team wins. It's not just your personal, not about me or I. And that even when people are experiencing uh, difficulties, it may not necessarily be their personal flaws or faults. Right. So you are in a position to see that it is more of a community, like a team effort. Yeah. When one person is vulnerable, the whole team is vulnerable. Yeah, it's true. So true. Uh, That vulnerability is an opportunity and it's an opportunity for people to lift that person up. And it's not something that I'm just sitting here saying. I've seen that happen so many times in my life. One other thing that I'm part of, I'm, I'm part of a men's team. Mm-hmm. The men's team has been great because it's a bunch of men who are on a, we're on a call now because it's it's Zoom related. Right. But we were meeting in person. Mm-hmm. And I've seen men countless amounts of time get lifted up 
when they had a problem, when I had a problem, when I had issues going on, everyone else was asking me questions, was giving me their advice, if I wanted advice. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that work so many times. And again, it gets back to team. Mm -hmm. Would you say that there's a lot of pressure to be perfect and strong, especially for boys and men? Yes. Because I find that, I personally find that the pressure to be perfect and not just seem perfect outwardly, but even to have those expectations for yourself. Women and girls feel this too, but I think especially for boys and men, they have an idea of what perfection may seem. That's perhaps a little different from what girls and women feel. What would you say about that? Yes, I absolutely. Hey, look, that could have started when, when they were younger. When I was younger, uh, I was definitely very conscious of myself, really young. And I find that even with my kids, I have two kids. Mm -hmm. So I, I let them know they don't have to be perfect. So I love them. They don't have to be perfect. And when they're not perfect, it's okay. You know, we can just laugh about it. <laughs> laugh. Seriously. No, no problem. It's Okay. And it's really worked well. Can you give me an example of what perfection might mean for your, you have two daughters, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I have a 14-year-old and an 8-year-old. Mm -hmm. What is their idea of perfection that you are seeing? Well, I feel like with my 14-year-old, we've gotten past that. Mm -hmm. She can make mistakes. There are times where we all make mistakes and I'll make a mistake in Let's say I was late, mm -hmm. two, three minutes late, and I gave her a time. What I'll do is right in front of them just to clean up. It's called clean up. Clean up for me uh, being late. Mm -hmm. Right there, I'll do uh, some jumping jacks <laughs> and we'll make it fun. Uh -huh. And so we goof, goof around so that not to take it so serious, but to also remind like, hey, I, I should have been on time and I should have been my word. Right. So acknowledging, recognizing. Yep. Yes. Whatever it was that mm -hmm. perhaps needed correction or addressing, just a, a recognition of that and not taking it so, so seriously, like it's right. a character flaw. Right. 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 Exactly. It's not like a crime has been uh, committed, but if it was something that was really big, in my life or their life and we were late or or we weren't our word or my daughters weren't prepared for school mm -hmm. it, it would be something important it would be maybe the, their grade would be affected or and again you, even if there are bad grades we'll move past it it's not the end of the world it's we'll move past it and we'll figure things out and figure out uh ways to study better, ways. I remember when my daughter, she didn't get her, her homework in or she forgot to hand it in. We had conversations about that and the conversations were really meaningful to her mm. and it changed the way she did things. They weren't beat up verbally for doing something wrong. It's, hey, let's discuss it and see if she can come to a conclusion from our conversation and she could be better at it or We'll just do better next time. And yeah. it worked. This one instance, which changed my daughter's way of doing her homework and taking notes and, and being prepared. 
Right. I love hearing you say we had a discussion of how we might do better next time. I love the we that's coming through there where it's not, and actually having discussions on the tools that she might be able to use next time so she can develop that for herself, even without someone watching over her. Definitely. I love that. Yeah. Going back to more of the perfectionistic ideas of what maybe you yourself or society may have for men. Sure. Could you speak a little bit more to that? So for men as uh, hunters, quote unquote hunters, I would say there's definitely a pressure on men to provide for their families. Right. And to still live that prototype of a life where men are providing and making money and paying for everything and and women are taking care of the kids. And I would say a lot of the pressures uh, for men are related to that. Mm-hmm. Deep down, like the hunter for the family. 100%. Protection, provider, security. I would agree with that. And shame. Shame is on the other side of it. When men don't come through the way uh, they think they should, then shame takes over. Mm. Did you ever struggle with that? How to make it work financially for your family? Oh, oh, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't doing what I loved, and that mm-hmm. set me back. That totally set me back. I was in a business and wasn't really happy with it. I had a partner, and I even worked for a company for a while, and it was always that pressure of hey, the money's not the money that I expect to be making. And I'm not even doing what I love. And, you know, we only have one life here. And well, But wait, I have this rent to pay. Yes. And I have these expenses to pay. And oh, how am I going to transition? Mm. How am I going to turn things around to where, you know, I wake up with a smile on my face. And I had that for a while. Absolutely. I had that before I was able to find the basketball, Mm -hmm. the basketball program and come to that realization and take that first action on basketball. I know you were in a corporate environment professionally before you transitioned. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about that process of identifying what gave you that spark and feeling of purpose and joy that made you feel like it was worthwhile to wake up in the morning do what you do. I listened to a lot of podcasts to to find some inspiration. Did that morning and night, really looking for inspiration. And I found it. It was about 10 and a half years ago. A friend of mine, he said to me, hey, you should be doing what you always love to do. Mm -hmm. My nephew, he needs to learn about basketball and he has friends. And you can do classes with uh, all of them. And I said, oh, what a great idea. Let's go. I'm in. I'm in. So I've always come from an entrepreneurial family. Mm -hmm. My grandparents, my grandfathers, they started businesses. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I was going to be starting something. And thankfully, the world, the world for me just came together. Everything came together. My friend bring that up to me, having two young daughters and having an entrepreneurial mindset, which I've been building up all for a lot of years. I've been reading a lot of books over the years, starting when I was age 18. Right. 
You are a basketball coach. Mm -hmm. How did you settle into that as a way to give young children and families that sense of community and learning these transferable skills through play? In fact, I had a vision that, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I had a vision that at some point, I was going to be doing something with young kids. It was when I woke up one morning and I was thinking to myself, wait a second, I, I can see myself working with young kids because I already work with kids who play basketball and they're older. So they're seven years old to uh, 17 years old. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden it changed. It was like 2.30 in the morning and I decided to work with young kids, toddlers, because I had toddlers and I just felt like there was so much to show them. The kids in the playground, they could play on a swing, they could jump on the monkey bars, but they couldn't learn a sport. Right. <laughs> that was the aha moment. Mm -hmm. And I had an Amazon moment of, hey, I'm going to order everything. At 2.30 in the morning, I ordered everything. <laughs> it was like, all right, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And it was such a joy, mm -hmm. such a joy to know that I was going to be doing what I loved and giving back to these kids and giving to parents because a lot of parents were in need because mm -hmm. they didn't know much about sports and they felt insecure about teaching their kids their two-year-olds, their three-year-olds, basketball. Right. Possibly the wrong way. Right. right. Parents right. walking up to me all the time. Dads, you talk about an insecurity. Mm. There it is for dads. Mm. Hey, I'm a man. I'm the man of the household, but I can't teach my child a sport. Mm. It was beautiful when they would come up to me um, and they would say to me, you know, I don't really, I'd be in the park. I don't really know how to teach my kids a lot of basketball. I, so can you help my child? Were you at the time just more informally hanging out at your neighborhood playground with your toddler or with your friends' nephews who are older? Or you were just inviting children to come and play with you? How do they know to come to you for basketball? So I was all in. I was all in. I, that's what I suggest to all people who have ideas. Just go all in. I would stay in the park from nine o'clock to six o'clock or seven o'clock with my hat, my hands on hoops hat, mm -hmm. and my t shirt, my hands on hoops t shirt. Mm -hmm. And I had my basket, my equipment, basketballs, and everybody came up to me. They, they wanted their kids to try basketball. They were adjustable baskets. People would come up to me and tell me their experience, how I have two kids. I don't really know how to teach them basketball. I played soccer when I was a kid, they would say to me. Right. Can you help them? Mm -hmm. And so that, that was it. I would just sit there and, and listen to parents and work with their kids and give it away. I was giving away my basketball program. I was giving away my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And those were fantastic times and real happiness uh, every day. And it was how I grew things and how uh, I built the brand. Right. Just by standing in the park with my basket. Talking about transitions, 
this was in 2010, 11. When did you officially? So 2010. Yes. It was my side hustle. Mm -hmm. uh, doing the basketball on the weekends. In the afternoons, I would be with my kids. Mm -hmm. But in the mornings, I would be doing the basketball. And that was the side hustle. Mm -hmm. So it was about three and a half years ago that I decided to do this full time. Interesting. On the early side of that, probably four or five years ago is when I came across raving reviews of your program on the Upper East Side of New York. Oh. And then since then, we had moved off the island to Queens. Yeah. And then a local mom was asking if any other families in our area, the new neighborhood, if any kids around her son's age group would be interested in joining a program. So that's when I was like, okay, let's give this a try. I don't know basketball. I'm not a real athlete of any sort. So that was my first introduction to you over the real positive interaction that this mom and child had with you on their local playground. And then you keep expanding in different little pockets, like really small groups locally. That's right. A very good point. And that's exactly what we did. I have some people that are assisting me as well now. We're in Long Island City. We're in the Upper West Side, Upper East Side. And basically what happens is a parent will set up the group mm -hmm. and it could be Flatiron. Right. It could be the financial district. This is the Word of Mom program, right? That's right. Word of Moms where parents who set up a group class with five or more other kids, they receive mm -hmm. a free semester mm -hmm. of classes. I think that's amazing because it's really a uh, tried and true locally based in that immediate community. And then the children around the same age group could make friends and the families can get to know each other better. And I think it's a really organic way to grow a business. So kudos to you. I think that's amazing uh, business model. Thank you. Yeah. And it helps a lot of parents right now, mm -hmm. uh, especially going through COVID, yes. dealing with whatever it is in their household they're dealing with, mm -hmm. giving them a little bit of a break. Right. And that all they have to do is just a little bit of uh, organization and they get complimentary uh, classes. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's great. Nice. Another question that I had in terms of scaling your business, sure. you mentioned you have other instructors helping you now because Coach mm -hmm. Mike can't be everywhere at the same time for serving all these communities. Like wants to be everywhere, but he can't be <laughs> so what are some important values or qualities that you seek in fellow instructors? Some of the experiences and expectations for your instructors who are representatives of your values and your program. Yeah, thank you uh, for, for bringing that up. As far as working with other instructors, it, it's my 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 job as a, a leader mm -hmm. to create a team right. out of instructors and we all work together. Mm -hmm. So their feedback to me is equally as important as my feedback to them. Mm -hmm. There's an agenda for every class. So I'm working with the instructors. They get trained as uh, my assistant, so they could learn the agenda and the language that needs to be spoken to toddlers. Can you please tell our listeners what you say in your program? The magic words are, I can do it mm -hmm. for the kids, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old. 
So we're discussing those magic words throughout the whole class mm -hmm. and what it means. That goes back to what you and I were talking about. A child misses a basket. He or she says, I can do it. Catches the ball with two hands, says the magic words, I can do it, and shoots the ball again. And it doesn't matter how many times that happens. Mm -hmm. Could be 10, 12, 13, 14 times. Catch the ball, say the magic words, I can do it, and shoot the ball again. And so I'm showing it, as far as the language goes, the language is a language of patience mm -hmm. and having standards for the kids. Right. Right. Need standards. It does, of course, we can have lo lots of fun and you're going to get two and two-year-olds, young two-year-olds who just turned two <laughs> and they're going to be out there on their own island. Right. They're going to be running around. They're going to be goofing around. Yes. Just yesterday, I had a two-year-old and the two-year-old, he spoke only Spanish. Yes. And he was saying, every time he made a basket, he was saying, bravo, oh. bravo. <laughs> To all the, and all the parents and caregivers were laughing hysterically at this boy. Mm. But this, I was holding a standard with him mm -hmm. to always gently bring him back to his team. Mm -hmm. So this gentle, hey, come on back. Your team's over there. Your team's over there. Always stay with your team. So we're holding on to a standard no matter how much fun right. is had. Right. I'm sure you see so many different kinds of parenting that may be subtly or visibly different styles of parenting. And mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear what you would say is a constructive way to learn these kinds of skills of self-confidence. I, like, I can do it and I am a team member. Sure. Yeah. I'll first start out with, I had one class where a parent was mimicking the child. And really getting under the child's skin. What does that mean, mimicking the child? Mimicking means when something, if something bad happens or if the child's making a face, mm -hmm. the parent would make that same face. Mm -hmm. Like mirroring, really exactly. Enjoy the child. And mm -hmm. I was shocked. I never saw this before. Mm -hmm. That was a real issue. The child could not take, the child was about five, six years old, could not take his eyes off his mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And it hurt me. It really hurt to see this going on. Mm -hmm. As far as the best parenting that I've seen, parents that talk things out the most, mm -hmm. talk about everything. In real time, as it's happening or after? Well, I don't necessarily think a, a real time always works because mm -hmm. sometimes a child will feel embarrassed right. to have an uncomfortable conversation in front of other kids. Right. I think putting that conversation in a parent's back pocket and discussing it after the class, um, especially when uh, the child is a lot calmer mm -hmm. and more confident, feeling better about themselves. As, as Coach John Wooden used to say, that he could never coach a player when they were low on confidence. Yes. When he felt like things were calmer, the kid was uh, feeling more confident. That would be the time when the player is the most, what's the word? What's the word? Receptive. Most receptive and coachable. Yes. So that's one of the greatest lessons for coaches and parents. Mm -hmm. To wait for that time when your child 
is feeling better about themselves. How might a child feel a little bit better? Would that happen on their own or just a little time and space or positive self-image? It's time and space, definitely. And it's similar to having a a good bedside manner. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's changing the conversation for a little while. Please tell me more about that. Yeah. Maybe it's discussing, I don't know, anything, ice cream. Something other than the the issue at hand, right? (laughs) Other than the issue to get the child calmer and feeling good for that moment so that you can come back Mm -hmm. to having a conversation that might be beneficial to whatever it is the child is struggling with or is a blind spot. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, Hands on Hoop is through age 17. Is your coaching method a little bit different for younger children who may be a little bit more malleable versus older children? Because I know my children play soccer, but I think part of the role of sports and coaching is also to make sure you're not just enabling or repetition of the bad movements, what what is considered bad or uh, inaccurate or I guess negative, what's not producing the desired results. Not just praising the good stuff, it's definitely being able to recognize and point out and work on correcting anything that needs correction. So, so you need a little time and space to make sure that the recipient, the child, is at a good place to be receptive to receive the coaching. But is it different for younger children versus a little bit older, like teens? How do you do that differently? For what you just said to me, um, it's to have a child be open-minded and to be coachable. It's somewhat similar to have them feeling good about themselves. It's somewhat similar, but as far as uh, the class goes and accountability and also competition, Mm. being competitive, it's totally different for kids who are ages two through seven, two through eight, because the kids are not competing. And in a lot of cases, they cannot handle losing, as opposed to kids that are older who have played uh, in games against each other and have been competitive. So that is just different in itself right there. And kids are more accountable Mm. when they're older. They understand what it is to be accountable. If they say they're going to go in uh, and practice dribbling uh, with each hand for 10, 15 minutes, then when they come back to the class, they have to be accountable. Right. Accountability of one's word is something that's a little more important for the older kids versus the younger kids where uh, we're just discussing foundational skills. Right. I would say that all of the skills and values that you are teaching through play include what it means to be a leader, being true and accountable to what you said you would, not just for yourself, but outside of yourself to the team, whether it's on a sports team or life team, your family or community, and that you don't have to be perfect, but set expectations for yourself and the community and be part of that. That is the end result Mm. that Hands on Hoops is looking for is to build captains. Yes. um, To build 
great dads. Yes. Um, and to build stronger communities. Mm. And wherever that could take our world will be a great thing. Once these values are internalized, it took a while to understand that so that we could take that out there into a, a class <laughs> setting and use that in the agenda for that mentality. Mm-hmm. I want to ask one last question. Sure. What makes you feel like a great father to your two daughters? When are the moments that you feel best about yourself as a father figure? That's such a good question. I love it. I love it. Well, <laughs> with that moment of when I might have said something and one of, one of my kids, uh, they, or both of them, didn't really want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But they come back to me and say, yeah, I did what you said. For example, even something like daily affirmations. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids uh, always hear that from me. What are you thankful for? Mm-hmm. And the importance of gratitude every day. Mm-hmm. I know we hear that a lot in our world, right. but I think it really works. It works for me at least. And it, it was just probably about, I would say it was within the last couple of weeks where my oldest child said, Dad, uh, I woke up in the morning and I started my day with daily uh, affirmations and and gratitude. And it really helps me. That's a daily practice for you that you're yes. instilling in your children. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Definitely. So, and, and also the phone calls. My kids, when they have things going on in their life, coming to me and just asking me uh, for my opinion. Mm. Because they value and yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't like to give my opinion. Uh, I like to hear them. I like to ask questions and have conversations, but I like for them to actually get to their own conclusions and form their own opinions. But sometimes they'll just say to me, "No, I really want your opinion." That's great. Yeah, yeah. nice. Nice. That's that's really nice. So where can people, our listeners, connect with you or learn more about you? I'll include these in the show notes. Handsonhoops.com mm-hmm. is the website. And they can send an email to uh, handsonhoopsnyc at gmail.com. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Danielle, thank you so much. This is great. You have a lot of guts uh, getting <laughs> on a... Uh, a podcast like this and yeah. <laughs> and, and making it happen. So. It's along the lines of what you are doing. This is my personal mission to share the message that we can do what makes us feel fulfilled yeah. and share our unique skill sets and message with the world and just have a ripple effect. So thank you. Fantastic. Uh, thanks so much for this interview and best of luck with this. Thanks for joining me, Danielle On, for this episode of Early Care for Every Kid. You can find out more about the basketball programs Coach Mike offers at handsonhoops.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Early Care for Every Kid. Hope you can join the conversation next time. Till then, take care.